0: The Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen.
1: Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week it's all about Budget 2021, which involves a record spend of €17 billion euro by the government to counter the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic and a possible no-deal Brexit. Later, Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times and Liam Diamond, a tax partner with PwC, will take us through the minutiae of some of the headline measures. And I'll also be talking to Owner Mara Walsh of the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation and Patricia Callan of Drinks Ireland, and we'll be getting the reaction from businesses around Around the country to the latest budget measures. Now I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Jennifer Bray of our political staff and she's going to uh, walk us through some of the big numbers from today's budget, a record budget. Uh, Jennifer Bray, both ministers were keen to point out uh, a record level of spending, very few uh, tax measures included this year unusually. Um, so maybe just take us through some of the main points from Budget 2021.
2: Yeah, so first I suppose some of the headline figures, it's a, bu- a total budgetary package of around 18 um, billion um, and it is a budget which is framed firstly on the basis that there will be no bilateral trade uh, deal between the EU and the UK but also on the uh, probably very valid assumption that COVID-19 uh, will be around next year and that no vaccine um, is imminent. So we did expect the forecast will be quite grim. And it is. Um, Pascal Donoghue discussed talked about how around 320,000 jobs um, will be lost in 2020. Um, around 155,000 of, of these jobs will be recovered next year. Um, And he also said that the level of economic activity, which we saw last year, that that actually won't return to those levels until 2022. And even then, actually, the outlook is quite uncertain. So no big surprise then to hear that he will be raiding the £1.5 rainy day fund. That will be drawn down. Um, And then I suppose the first big measure that he announced in in his speech in the Convention Centre was the recovery fund. So this will be worth £3.4 And basically what this does is it gives the government money for any other additional measures that they need next year in terms of whatever may be so in terms of what specifically it will be used for I think it's safe to say it'll be used mainly for reskilling for jobs but also and this is key for jobs that do not survive um, this pandemic Um, The second big topic, unsurprisingly, was around small and medium enterprises. So there's a couple of things here. There will be an extension of the tax warehousing scheme, um, and that will include repayments of the temporary wage subsidy scheme, which will be owed by employers, Um, and that's imminent. Um, And then I suppose that begs the question about what's the future of the wage subsidy scheme, and the government is hoping to secure 2.5 billion in European funding for this. I I suppose you could ask why they haven't applied for that yet, but that remains to be seen. And the uh, wage subsidy scheme itself, which was uh, due to continue until the 31st of March, um, will be um, extended out till the end of next year, although it's not yet known exactly what form that will take. It could be a variant of that scheme. But the big message here is that there will not be a cliff edge for, for businesses. And I can talk you through maybe one or two of the other big announcements if you like.
1: Yeah sure I mean I suppose the focus was on hospitality as well they got their VAT cut to 9% and there's also some money um for supports for the hospitality and tourism sector I think of the order of 55 million euro
2: Yeah absolutely and and this is really in essence um a budget for business um you know we didn't see any big any broad based changes in in income tax in in welfare rates there wasn't um, there were a few small changes, but nothing overly significant. So I suppose in, in that vein, one of the big schemes or one of the big measures announced today was this COVID restriction support scheme shortened to the CRSS. Um, so this is for businesses that have been significantly impacted by the COVID-19 restrictions or indeed um, temporarily closed for the same reason. And generally speaking, it will um operate and it will apply when we're at level three um, or higher and it will cease then when restrictions are lifted. So the government did name some of the sectors that are at risk. They included accommodation, food, the arts, recreation and entertainment. Now, if we do go to higher levels of restrictions, other sectors may come into this. So I think a lot of the questions today have been from business about exactly how it will operate. And it looks like it'll be based on the 2019 average weekly turnover of businesses and basically you will apply to the revenue commissioners for a cash payment and it'll be an advanced credit for trading experiences for the period of the restrictions so the scheme will be effective from today budget day until the 31st of march again something which has been criticized today first payments coming out mid um mid next mid next month in mid november
1: Jennifer, what's been the reaction from the opposition? Because a record level of spending in this budget, I mean, we've never seen anything like this before in our lifetimes. Over 17 billion euro in additional spending, obviously to try and counteract the worst impacts of the pandemic. But for a government to spend that kind of money in Ireland is really unprecedented. So where 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 does that leave? What room for a manoeuvre, if you like, at the opposition to criticise uh, this budget?
2: Yeah, I suppose the first thing I'd say, which is um, probably a little bit less interesting, but just from covering budgets in the past... The impact of this, its it feels lesser because they're in the Convention Centre. So normally you could see the opposition parties, all of the deputies nodding in fierce agreement behind um, their party spokespeople. And it's kind of lost in the Convention Centre, I suppose, some of that some of that reaction. But nonetheless, some of the things that the opposition have focused on today include the fact that while the pandemic unemployment supports will be extended, they weren't restored to the previous levels that we, we saw, which was 350 euro for for that top rate. Um, and they do strongly believe, and I think Sinn Féin and the Labour Party have highlighted this today, that that should have been um, restored, especially given the fact that we could be in for a series of further rolling restrictions, increased restrictions, and if workers were getting this payment before, they believed that they should have got it again in the future. There's also a bit of reaction about the health spending in terms of pay inequality for those who work on the front line. Um, Opposition saying this was a missed opportunity uh, to address that, but certainly the, the, um, the mood that I picked up on Um, Everybody knows this is an unprecedented situation. Everybody knows this is a huge, huge amount of money. And I think the opposition are trying to balance supporting the public health effort while also criticising the areas that they would traditionally make hay out of.
1: And finally, Jennifer, um, housing was a big issue in the general election. And there were some initiatives announced today, particularly around uh, social housing.
2: Yep. So we've got... uh, basically funding put aside for social housing. We've got funding put aside for affordable housing and the government are basically putting out the message that this is an unprecedented package for it, for the housing sector. Now, Owen O'Brien has been out already criticising what he said. You know, they're talking about 12,000 units. He's saying a lot of that was already provided for in the rebuilding Ireland plan. I think this is one of those things where big figures can be announced and it looks great on paper, but the key will obviously be um, in the delivery of that. And as we all know, that takes a lot of time until you see whether it's working or not. And I suppose the other, the second thing to say about the, the various measures announced on housing today is it will be impacted if there are Uh, If there is an increase above level three restrictions, because obviously if you have the country going into a lockdown, a full lockdown, level five, then you know construction sites could close. So yeah, I think that's a, a that one will. It's the jury is out.
1: Okay, Jennifer Bray, thank you for joining us. Now moving on I'm joined for this segment by Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times and by Liam Diamond a tax partner with PwC we'll be talking to Liam about some of the taxation measures not so many of them this year uh, but he'll go through them for us in a few moments Uh, Cliff I'll come to you first what was the main takeaway from the budget for you?
3: The amounts of money uh, Kieran. I think was the main takeaway for me I I think if you look at the amount that they're planning to borrow next year uh, I thought maybe they'd try for a bigger reduction in the deficit uh, £21.5 this year maybe under 20 billion next year but they've gone That's for 20.5 20, mm. 20. and um, that allowed them a bit more leeway or, or a good bit more leeway for, for, for all kinds of spending programs so I think faced with the choice of uh, of kind of holding back a bit or, or going for it they've, they've kind of gone for it they, they'll hope that it works out a bit better for them next year so for example if there's a brexit trade deal and uh, then the department estimates the economy could be 2.2 or 3 percentage points growth could be 2 or 3 percentage points quicker next year that's going to help the public finances and of course if some kind of vaccine appears say in the air middle early part of next year uh, then that could obviously transform economic prospects as well so i think they will be hoping that borrowing will come in a bit lower next year and they're setting a target which they hope to beat but look none of us know how this vaccine is going to play out they may need all the money they've allocated, and more next year. Who knows? Is it a green budget? We, Not an overly green budget, I wouldn't have thought. Um, there, There is, uh, I guess, some taxation measures involved in, uh, in, in the green well, the agenda. Carbon the carbon tax
1: is which is, is something that the Green Party wanted. It is.
3: Much. And uh, interestingly, Pascal who committed to the target of getting to 100, uh, 100, uh, 100 euros by... Uh, 2030. By twenty thirty, sorry, hundred um, sure years a ton. So yeah, that that is that is happening all right, uh, and there are green changes in vehic- vehicle registration tax as well, and in motor tax, and there's investment in a, in a range of kind of green projects promised. I, I think what we're going to see in terms of the green agenda, the climate change bill is going through. Uh, it's it's going to hopefully go through by the end of the year. That's Eamon Ryan's target. And a lot of the measures uh, and investments are going to kick in next year. So I, I think the Green Party had already kind of prepared the way a little bit in terms of expectations, saying, look, the big investments that are needed in, in this are going to come in subsequent budgets. We obviously did see cycling, walking referenced, wind energy referenced, but there's going to be really big investments required in future years. I think really the focus on this was getting through the pandemic. There was a green a green tinge to it elsewhere, but maybe the big spending on that. Yeah. A billion euro was announced
1: for public transport. I mean, some of that might be reheating numbers. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Politicians are known to do that from time to time. And they talked about a a lot of electric carriages for the Dart. Yeah.
3: Uh, For example, it it sounds good if it can be delivered upon. Um, Seems to be a lot of investment for roads as well. There is, yeah. maybe uh, may, may, may be su- slightly surprising the emphasis that was put on the roads investment by uh, Minister Michael McGrath, but I guess that's perhaps the Duncattle Interchange and those various things play play well, particularly. I think a lot of the extra spending, there's the COVID bits of extra spending, if you like, and then there's the the other stuff the government's doing for investment and the like, and the health service. And a lot of the question that's That's going to a lot of what it's going to come down to in terms of the additional spending, the non COVID spending you like, is is, is delivery. So, you know, we've seen very slow delivery in areas like the health service in recent years, large amounts of money being spent, but kind of very limited increase in service levels And and a big jump forward now because of the covid pandemic but a lot of money is being allocated to what you might call ordinary spending there as well huge amounts going into capital spending 10 billion on capital spending next year which is the most we'll ever spend and we've seen before how um you know there's been controversy over overruns and delivery and things taking years longer than they uh than they're meant to take so i think it was interesting to hear the minister michael mcgrath say at the end of the uh, speech that look there's a lot of extra money being spent here. Departments are going to have to deliver. And I think politically, that's going to be, that's going to be really important. Liam Diamond, I mentioned that
1: there were very few by way of personal tax changes. I, I think the, the revenue uh, raising measures, if you like, came out with a net uh, 270 million euro, which is really peanuts uh, in the overall scheme of things.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, very, very few changes on the income tax side. A couple of a couple of small tweaks that really aren't going to put any meaningful money in anyone's pocket. But we all knew that was going to be the case with this budget. Um, I think the probably the bigger tax related items are around the green agenda. So again, raising about 150 odd million from carbon taxes. Uh, I suppose again, if you're driving a gas guzzler, if you're a heavy fossil fuel user, and you're a smoker, mm. that's where you're going to be a little bit more impacted. Um, coming out of this budget but I'd agree with Cliff it's more of a green tinge than a major green drive like there was probably a lots of calls for I suppose incentivisation measures to, uh, to drive green activities haven't really seen any of those yet um, and I think
1: 14 uh, euro for a packet of 20 Liam I mean when you put it like that it's been going up by 50 cent or thereabouts uh, for a number of years now but 14 euro for a packet of cigarettes it's hard to believe Yeah, its
4: uh, and I'm not a smoker I'm not a smoker either and it's a long time since I used to buy cigarettes for my uh, my deceased dad but certainly they were a long way back from 14 euro when I was in short trousers buying them anyway
1: yeah sure Uh, explain some of these business measures uh, tax measures that have been introduced Uh, for example the CRSS that uh, Jennifer uh, referenced there a little earlier
4: yeah, I mean I think this is very welcome for those those sectors that are really impacted by again the the sort of phase 3 lockdown with doors shut to uh, to business. So up to 5000 a week uh, of a subsidy uh, while while effectively your the doors are closed to business. Uh, It's described as an advanced credit for trading expenses. Uh, What does that mean? Well, I've been trying to figure that out. I was wondering, is is it some sort of a a cash advance against sort of uh, your future profits, your future taxes? But it does reference in the materials uh, that it's estimated at 40 million being the cost per week while we're at level three, and that this would be subsidized out of the National Recovery Fund. So even though it was described almost as a tax measure and an advanced credit, I I think it's coming out of the the general pot of subsidies.
1: Okay, now he mentioned, reiterated the government's commitment to the 12.5% corporation tax rate, but as we know, there's an OECD process going on around uh, harmonisation of uh, tax, and he mentioned that, you know, whichever way it goes, whether there's a deal or no deal, uh, it's going to be a negative for Ireland in terms of sucking some corporation tax revenues away. But he also mentioned some changes around uh, intellectual property. Can you explain those to us, Liam?
4: Yeah, and maybe on, on the latter one first, I mean, um, Ireland has had, uh, you know, a pretty pretty attractive IP tax depreciation regime for acquired IP in recent years. Uh, one of the features of that was that if you sold or disposed of your IP after five years, you wouldn't be subject to a clawback of the tax depreciation, which was a, a very attractive feature and probably a bit more attractive than lots of other countries who have equivalent regimes. It looks like we're, we're sort of dumbing down a little bit to the level of everyone else and removing that specific feature. Uh, It is only going to apply in respect of new IP acquired in after today. So it's very much a prospective measure for new IP transactions uh, with no impact on on existing companies who have acquired IP into Ireland. Um, Probably the manner and the timing of, of the announcement of it is more concerning than the substance of it in some ways. In that, you know, this, you know, the most more recent governments have been very focused around consultation, certainty, engagement with taxpayers, no surprises, corporation tax roadmaps, laying out everything. Measures like this, which come out of the blue a little bit on budget day, I think don't go towards that certainty agenda.
1: Right. Okay. Um, and just in terms of the OECD process, because there was uh, uh, there was an announcement by the or an update, if you like, by the OECD this week, where
4: where are we at with that whole process, Lynn? Yeah. So there was about eight hundred odd pages of material dropped uh, uh, dropped into the laps of everyone yesterday. Um, I think the, the revised timeline is looking to have agreement and I suppose more certainty on the direction of travel by mid twenty twenty one. Uh, And I think hopefully if consensus can be achieved and the OECD can bring some path forward from then, it hopefully will minimise the impact of countries going off on on solar runs with unilateral tax measures. And also will hopefully mean that the EU doesn't pick this up and and possibly go at it even in a way that might be more disadvantageous to Ireland. So very much all still in the melting pot. We need to see what happens in the US elections uh, to see what the tone will be out of the US administration. Um, and I, but ultimately, I think the minister summarised it well. Th- this will shave somewhat of our corporation tax receipts over time. I'm not sure it's going to shave significantly uh, based on the numbers some people have projected. But it, this will ultimately re- result in some reallocation of corporation tax receipts.
1: And I guess a lot depends on the American election uh, in relation to getting a deal at a global level because. Trump and his administration don't seem to be minded to engage with this process, did it
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's, you know, there's, there's two, two sort of discrete aspects to these proposals. One focuses around how taxing rights get allocated between sort of hub locations and markets. And the other one focuses around minimum tax pieces, minimum tax rates for international business. Uh, and certainly the US administration backed away from the first element and seemed to be more, more in tune with the second. So ultimately, everyone will need to be at the table in, in a way where they're willing to give a little to try and achieve consensus and I'm not sure that's a, a way that you would describe some of the uh, some of the actions coming out of the Trump administration.
1: Cliff, going back to the budget, we've mentioned uh, a lot of the things that are in it. Was there anything that didn't appear in the budget that you were expecting?
3: Uh, no, I think a lot of it had been had been leaked in the kind of various drip drip feed in advance, On um, So I I think most of the most of the bases were covered, uh, were covered in the budget. It clearly referenced a lot of things that had been in the program for government, and there's still a lot of stuff still to be worked out. Um, but I don't think there was anything that made me sit up and say, you know, that was in or that wasn't in. Uh, I think they they covered most of the bases. Seventeen
1: billion in extra spending to counter the worst impacts of the pandemic.
3: Yeah, it's a it's a massive amount of money. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, it's what's the old saying: "Go big or go home." And uh, I think they've they've decided to go big. And I think there's probably a political element to that as well, because the clear uh, direction of attack from Sinn Fein uh, and a lot of the other opposition parties is always going to be, "Well, you didn't do enough." Uh, and and I think by by doing by doing what they've done, they've probably closed uh, closed a fair fair bit of that off. So while there's going to be nitpicking at a lot of the measures, uh, I, I think in general terms. Um, they've gone a long way to uh, to, to to meeting what they want to do. I mean, the, the business support packages are going to be picked through now, and there's all kinds of different schemes now in operation. This new scheme that's come in for companies that are closed the wage subsidy ch- scheme which may change in future uh, the PUP is still there there's, there's all the sectoral supports, there's money as you said directed at the hospitality industry, we're not quite sure exactly how that's going to be allocated yet. Commercial
1: rates being, Commercial rates
3: being extended at the end of the year so there's a lot of stuff being knocked forward a lot of uh, reliefs being knocked forward for companies that are in real difficulty and I suppose what the government is hoping is it's just trying to keep as many boats afloat as it can until early next year in the hope that the end of this thing is in sight by, by then. Um, and just on if, that point, Cliff, because the danger is that a lot of this spending
1: could become embedded in our day-to-day spending going forward. I mean, there's an extra £4 billion for health. That's huge. It's an absolutely huge number um, in additional money for health. And I'm not saying that the health service doesn't need it. Clearly, there are strains and stresses that are very evident in the health service. But isn't there a real danger that that £4 billion, you know, essentially will become an embedded part of the budget going forward? Yeah, there's,
3: I mean, there's a massive amount of money being spent. You're right. Uh, and interestingly, the, interestingly uh, the ministers have tried to kind of divide it up into two pots, if you like, what they call the core spending and what they call the COVID spending, which is meant to be once off, meant to be temporary, meant to be targeted. But as you say, I I think all the indications are that a lot of it won't be temporary. A lot of it's going to go on. And I think one of the key kind of underlying messages from the pandemic in economic terms is that we're looking at a bigger state in the years ahead. I don't think there's any question about that. We're looking at a bigger state in terms of the health service. Uh, we're looking at a bigger state in terms of social supports, areas like sick pay, um, areas like uh, you know support for employees that are laid off. I, I think you know people have fallen back on the state. Uh, because of the pandemic and a lot of those supports are going to remain in place and one of the interesting things that happened at the end of Pascal donahue's speech he referenced the fact that he's going to set up a commission on tax and welfare which was promised in the programme for government but is now going to go ahead and uh, you know sometimes commissions are put in place to kind of delay things and put things off and allow things to, to roll on for a couple of years but I think the government realises that it's going to have to try to get a handle on this And that, as you say, some of the costs are going to be continuing costs and continuing costs are going to have to be met by continuing revenue. So no matter how low interest rates remain and no matter what flexibility there is in the public finances in the years ahead, in general, you've got to meet most of your spending with with revenues. And I think... There's no doubt it's it's not going to be next year. Maybe it won't be the year after either, but we are going to be facing higher taxes. Uh, I'm surprised perhaps there wasn't more of a reference to some of the increases that might come in the years ahead in, in the budget speech, but I think we're looking at PRSI, employers PSI, PSI we all pay in terms of a quid pro quo for great, quid pro quo. Croc, sorry for greater social support. We know what you mean, and, and higher spending across, you know, higher revenues, taxes across the board, and other areas as well. Maybe
1: okay, Liam Diamond, I might give the final word to you. It's only a couple of hours on since the budget speeches were delivered, but any reaction from your clients or from investors overseas uh, to this package of measures—a record budget. I mean, really extraordinary numbers involved.
4: Um, I mean, again, on the business side, no major reaction. And again, probably nothing significant expected from overseas other than maybe some slight surprise at the uh, the, the, the un- unsignaled change in the ip tax regime again for more our more domestic focused clients lots of hopefully helpful news in some of the the vat and the crss measures announced today um, maybe to your last point about anything missed the one thing that there was a lot of speculation about in the lead-up to the budget both from a, I suppose from a, a an incentivizing revenues and behaviors perspective uh, as well as you know things like uh, entrepreneurs was around capital gains tax um, apart from some very small, subtle tweaks to the, the Entrepreneur Relief Scheme, um, you, you mean no, no targeted sort of reduced rate, no rate reduction, nothing significant there. And that was probably one of, the, one of the things that took up quite a lot of space in some of the, uh, the pre-budget discussions and, and debates. Um, so probably may, maybe something we'll need to, to need to revisit there over the coming years with, with 33, 33% being a, a very high tax rate. Cliff?
3: Yeah, big issue for Fianna Fáil. Uh, I'm sure they pushed it in the budget discussions. They, I think, they pushed it in the July stimulus discussions, the budget discussions. Political gossip is it was nixed by the Green Party. Um, as Liam said, it certainly hasn't happened. Probably still uh, remains on the agenda. I mean, one of the other things that strikes me, I suppose, is um, you were talking about expectations, and, and and Liam was talking about surprise of the IP regime. The one of the key audiences for the government and for Pascal who in particular was uh, the people who lend us money uh, and I think one of the key things was even though they're spending a lot of money next year and the deficit is going to remain very high that the deficit here will still be probably roughly in line with what it is in other countries even though our GDP figures are a bit well, wonky. Well he did mention that in his speech yeah, yeah, even though our GDP figures are a bit wonky um, and you know you could argue about the comparison uh, I think that's the key message he wants to get across and a key reason why he's probably set a target that he hopes t- he can be able to beat next year uh, to kind of keep them on board okay. and allow us to continue to borrow money at, at very low interest rates.
1: All right. Well, a lot to play for, and obviously a lot of risks out there as well. So who knows whether these numbers? Uh, who knows whether the, the extra spending that they're putting through will actually be enough? Let's hope so. I'm Cliff Taylor and Liam Diamond, thank you for joining us. Okay, we're going to take a short break now. When we return, I'll be getting some reaction from the tourism and hospitality industry to Budget Twenty Twenty One. At Davy, we know your well-being should
0: be financial as well as personal. And now when it's a little more challenging, if you're in a position where you have a pension, it's never been more important to get active. So talk to one of our trusted advisors now, and we can help you find a solution for your pension needs. A solution that could help you feel better about your financial future. Let's start the conversation. Call us today or search Davey. Davey, it's not just business, it's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally.
1: Now welcome back Uh, This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock and this week we're talking all about Budget 2021 and there's a large element of that uh, focused around the hospitality sector which of course has been hammered by the COVID-19 pandemic Mara Walsh um, you represent the tourism and hospitality sector and there were obviously lots of calls in the lead up to the budget for some help um, for this beleaguered sector at this time given the impact of the pandemic and it would seem that the government have listened because they've reduced the VAT rate from 13.5% to 9% and they've also introduced uh, a number of supports uh, some 55 million euro I think in supports directly for the tourism and hospitality sector so your members must be happy Yeah I think we we, we generally uh, broadly
5: welcome the, the budget uh, we think the government have listened they they now realise I think that the uh, tourism industry has been disproportionately impacted by the COVID pandemic we were disappointed back in in July with the July stimulus package it didn't do a lot for our beleaguered industry. But certainly this budget is, is, is much much more supportive. The reduction in VAT obviously is very welcome, but obviously really only uh, kicks in when, when there's demand again. But of, of more importance in the, in the immediate term is the uh, financial scheme to support uh, businesses that have been uh, impacted by COVID, which obviously is the tourism and hospitality industry. And there's a 55 million euro uh, business continuity grant, which is going to be administered by Fulcher Ireland, which should help a lot of tourism enterprises. So we would have liked, more of course we would but it would be churlish not to not to uh, support the budget and say that it's it's if you like the first step to um, stabilizing uh, the tourism industry because the winter months are going to be long and cold demand will be negligible so we'll need as much support as possible so that we still have an industry standing in spring when hopefully uh, we're, we're, we're in a better place
1: yeah, I know and I think the European Union is introducing this traffic light system as well for air travel. I, I think there was um I think that might have been introduced today, actually. That's that presumably is a very important measure as well. And the government responding to that because air travel has well, it really has fallen off a cliff, hasn't it? Absolutely. In, in terms a- absolutely. Of
5: um you know like People forget, but the tourism economy in Ireland, which is made up of 265,000 people, or in a, in a normal year is made up of 265,000 people, it's actually um, a, a dependent on international tourism. So about 75% of the tourism economy is made up of international visitation. So all those Americans and French and Germans and Brits and Chinese and stuff um, that, that invade our shores, they're the ones that really add to the tourism economy. So the domestic market only ever makes up 25%. So it's not strong enough or robust enough to actually paper over the the crack. So we, we desperately need to get the international tourist coming to the country again. It's not a budgetary measure, but it just so happened today uh, was also the day that the, that, uh, that Ireland adopted the uh, the EU traffic light system, uh, which is to be welcomed. Now, the, the key thing, of course, the devil's in the detail with all these things. The key thing is that, that Ireland implements it in full, which means that they need to have a comprehensive testing regime uh, for inbound visitors. And at the moment, we don't have sight of that. But the main thing is that Ireland, if you like, has, has signed up to the principle. Um, And there's a common framework now across Europe that hopefully uh, will allow for international travel to recommence in a safe manner.
1: Oh, and I wonder if you have any sense of how many businesses in the hospitality and tourism sectors have uh, effectively gone to the wall or won't be coming back as a result of the pandemic. And separately, as a result of the measures introduced by the government today, how many businesses might be saved?
5: Well I I I can't put numbers on it if you like where you know this this the the winter season tr- is traditionally the difficult time for for um for the tourism sector you know we we would have normally built up um a, a bit of a cushion to to get us through the winter that cushion isn't there we've obviously used an awful lot of reserves so I fear there's going to be a lot of uh, business closures and 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 widespread Uh, job losses even despite this budget the government themselves the department of business enterprise and and innovation um came out with a a kind of a a, a, an impact assessment of covid on 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 the sector um back at the end of august and they estimated that two hundred thousand people would lose their jobs within tourism now that's about eight in every 10 jobs so it's absolutely staggering uh, over the next 12 months we always argued it never needed to be that bad and in fact about a hundred thousand of those jobs could be saved with the right government intervention And and the important thing is today, the government have taken the first key steps to stabilise the sector um, and allow us to, if you like, uh, um, arrest the decline and hopefully keep us on some sort of life support so that we're still um, in business next year. I think what you're going to find, Kieran, is that um, an awful lot of businesses uh, will go seasonal so they'll effectively close their doors and go into hibernation mode over the next few months because there literally won't be the customer either the domestic market or the international tourist they'll 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 hibernate hopefully uh batten down the hatches and and, and still fingers crossed be in a position to reopen to a a, a kind of a, a more normal year uh, next year or even if it's if, even if it's a quieter year it's not as devastating as, as this year um but unfortunately there will be a number of casualties uh, i don't have a number on that at the moment but i, I I'd, I'd be uh grossly uh, uh, naive and misleading if I if I said there wasn't going to be uh, a, a multitude of casualties
1: Patricia Callan you're Director of Drinks Ireland which is a unit within IBEC what's, what's the view of your members of today's budget?
0: Well I think certainly the overall budget has been really welcomed in terms of the scale of ambition it is the right thing to do in terms of to borrow it at really low or negligible interest rates and to actually pump that money into both current expenditure in terms of supporting businesses and also capital investment is really important I think particularly for our sector uh, I represent drinks manufacturers and suppliers and as part of digi into the publicans hotels restaurants uh, off licenses groups we were looking for an excise reduction we didn't see that come through today and certainly I think I think that's something that needs to be on the table. Um, in terms of the COVID restriction support scheme, again, I think that's critically important in recognising the fact that our industry has been completely shut down and treated disproportionately to every other industry. We're the only country in Europe where the hospitality sector has repeatedly been closed. And in the case of Dublin pubs, has never allowed to be reopened. So I think it's rightly and uh, justified that, that the government needs to, to, to uh, contribute that. We published a survey yesterday which showed that in terms of a of publican's fixed costs, that they're still running at around €2,000 a week. So that's even without your doors being open, just the bills just pile up. And indeed, in terms of debt back into the supply chain, most of our companies wouldn't have been paid since last March. So it's also posing massive difficulties for brewers, for distilleries, for food producers, etc. Right back to the farmers. So we do need this cash injection. And that's what's really important. And hopefully that will come to pass in terms of the VAT reduction, obviously, that's really important once uh, we get reopened. And, and the important thing now is to work on a pathway to sustainable reopening in November leading into Christmas, which will be vitally important. But indeed, what we really want to see is clarity. Last time out, the 9% VAT rate did not extend to alcohol We've clarified with the EU Commission under the EU VAT directives that that is possible. It is possible to extend the hospitality VAT rate to alcohol sales. And clearly for pubs, most of their sales come from drink, not from food. So uh, given that they're the worst impacted sector, I think certainly we need to look at also doing that so that then there's a bounce to them. Uh, But overall, I think, you know, measures like that will be vitally important, I think, in, in restoring confidence. But also just to remind everyone that outside of the weeks that you're fully closed, even when you're you're operating at maximum 50% capacity. And that's been really generous. And what we've seen in terms of the few weeks that the rural pubs got to reopen, that actually many chose not to. It's just not viable. And that is the real difficulty here. It's about keeping businesses, keeping people in jobs until we're through this. But the most important part of that is strategic thinking about not the, 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 the how not to do things, but how can we do things? How can we learn from other European countries to ensure that businesses can trade through this? Because no government has the resources to fully fund and support all of the businesses that might potentially go to the wall.
1: Yeah. And again, a bit like the question I asked, Owen, have you any sense of how many businesses have already gone to the wall, have already given up the ghost, uh, if you will, or a lot of them just sitting on their hands waiting to see what happens? I mean, you mentioned wet pubs in in Dublin, they weren't allowed to reopen. So maybe we won't know until they are allowed to reopen just how many owners have decided it's not worth their while. But have you any sense of how how many groups have already given up the ghost?
0: Well, certainly from the Digi survey, which uh, had respondents of over a thousand publicans, one third said that they were at risk of closure over half have already let people go and half, the other half are actually considering obviously uh, uh, more permanent layoffs as well, really going back into the family uh, and into the, their, their immediate community. So I do think there is a, a massive risk there. But then, again, there's also that broader risk in the experience economy back around the supply chain because so many people, so if, if you're a small brewer, or you're a small distiller and you're relying on that market in terms of the trade to get your product to market, not just in this jurisdiction, but in all the other countries we operate in, then there's also threats there as well. The longer that uh, we're locked out of that market, it is a key market, uh, again, for a lot of new brands when they're launching to build up the brands. So the, the pub is vitally important all, uh, as well as obviously the community aspects, the mental well-being in terms of society. So I think there's more than just pure economics at play here, but certainly that, that is is critically important. Certainly feedback I've received in terms of, of this current lockdown with people not able to move beyond co- counties is that a lot of businesses a lot of hotels, restaurants etc have simply chosen to close because there wouldn't be enough business just within uh, uh, their, their sorry their their county in terms of the hotel sector obviously pubs and restaurants are fully closed, but in terms of the hotels.
1: Yeah sure. Owen can I ask you about the VAT rate? Is that going to be passed on to consumers in the form of lower prices or is it going to be used by business owners to bolster their margins?
5: Well I suppose it's a decision for each um each business owner um I mean a lot of them I imagine uh, will need the, the the financial cushion um and I think the government even have have said that you know it they won't be as stringent as they would in the past of making sure that it's passed on but i suppose the market will decide um based on a kind of demand and, and supply metrics um but you know previously like the previous vat at nine period um the vat was passed on uh, because it was a demand stimulus whereas now it's it's as much a supply measure as anything else but um i i think the, the one thing that i would be anxious just to state on the vat on the vat is that um the minister Donoghue uh, in a speech said that it would continue uh, through to december 2021 which is only fourteen months, um, and and to my mind, it, it, it really needs to be a sort of a, m- a medium to long term VAT rate. I mean, the, the 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 VAT rate for tourism and hospitality across the rest of the EU is around nine ten percent, so we're comparable. Now, the VAT rate actually in the UK, so north north of the border, is actually down as low as five percent for tourism and hospitality. So so we're at a competitive disadvantage with our with our nearest neighbours. So the VAT at nine needs to be, uh, if you like, a long term fixture as part of uh, of, the, of the tax makeup of. Tourism.
1: All right, well, we'll see if that's actually the case. Patricia Callan, uh, I might give you the final word in, in, final word in this segment, if you like. Um, the Minister, uh, Minister Pascal who in his speech, said that the figures, um, the deficits that are being projected out for next year were based on there not being a vaccine broadly available in 2021. We're talking about a deficit of, um, of the guts of €21 billion euro once again next year. So that would suggest... Um, that air travel uh, and tourism is going to be crimped significantly again next year, which will obviously have an impact um, for your members. So... I mean it's not just this year it's not just about getting over this year is it It's uh, n- next year is, is going to be a bit of a washout as well but it looks it.
0: Absolutely I think in terms of that broader experience economy piece if you're an international event organisation if you're trying to run big events um, and even if you're relying on any international tourists at all like for example the, the drink centre sector attractions Irish whiskey distilleries Guinness Storehouse etc 90% of visitors there are international so there is no light at the end of the tunnel and it's about reinventing and trying to target domestic tourists. Um, So we really have to be realistic about that. But it is important that, again, we have to 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 join up in terms of that aviation piece and we have to try and start work now, because if we don't start the work now, they won't come in 2022 either. So we have to be very clear about what our strategy is. Uh, And certainly I wouldn't yet be writing off next year in terms of spring into summer. But um, it's certainly not looking optimistic at this moment in time, unfortunately.
1: Okay, we leave it there. Uh, Patricia Callan and Oonu Mara Walsh, thank you for joining us. OK, that's it for this week from Inside Business and our special on Budget 2021. My thanks to Jennifer Bray, Cliff Taylor, Liam Diamond, Onamara Walsh and Patricia Callan. Thanks also to our sponsor Davy Group for its continued support. Declan Conlon produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Let me remind you that you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. And remember, you can also follow the Irish Times business feed each day on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care and stay safe.